What's happening? A happy Friday to all of you. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is much appreciated. A pre-Christmas edition of the Nick Cattle Show today. And by the way, we did a breaking news edition of the pod last night about the Yamamoto news. If you're a Red Sox fan, you want to check that out on the channel. So don't forget about that. A breaking news edition last night of this show talking about Yamamoto not ending up with the Red Sox. Check it out on the channel. Okay, let's start with the Patriots. Bill Belichick is the highest paid coach in all of the country. Okay, you look at all the four major sports. He is the guy that reportedly makes the most money, $25 million a year. Now, of course, he doesn't have one job. He has two jobs. He's not only the head coach. He's also the president of football operations or whatever title he would go by. So he has two jobs, but he still makes about $25 million a year. And the question that I have over the last 24 hours I've been thinking about, if it's not going to be Gerard Mayo, because you would imagine that Gerard Mayo, if he's the next coach of the Patriots, that he would not cost as much money as some of these other guys might cost you. If it's not Gerard Mayo, replacing Belichick if you part ways with Bill, then is Robert Kraft willing to pay what it would take to bring in one of these young, bright, offensive minds or one of these young stud coaches that everybody is talking about? And I I was thinking of this because I saw Josina Anderson post on X yesterday about Ben Johnson. Here's what she posted. And, of course, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, He is the name on the market this offseason. Everybody is going to be talking about him. I can guarantee you that every single Patriots beat writer, if they haven't already, will write about Ben Johnson in the next few weeks and see if, you know, whether or not he would be the right guy for the job to replace Belichick. But here's what Josina Anderson posted yesterday. I'm told personnel around the league are discussing their awareness that some owners have been told Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson's asking price is at least, at least or around $15 million a year for a head coach job. So Josina Anderson posts yesterday that from what she's hearing, Ben Johnson, if he goes to, uh, you know, anywhere else than Detroit and becomes the head coach of that franchise, he's going to be looking for $15 million a year. Now, Johnson's agent responded to Anderson's post. And here's what he posted. I'm told personnel around the league are discussing their awareness that there is no asking price or demand. And this tweet is 100% false and irresponsible reporting. Woo. Dropping the bomb on Josina Anderson. I have no idea what Ben Johnson is going to be asking for. You have no idea what Ben Johnson is going to be asking for. Maybe Josina Anderson is way off base. Maybe the agent is handling some PR here and making sure the optics don't look terrible for Johnson as the Lions head towards the playoffs. I have no idea. And really, I couldn't care less. Here's what we need to look at, though. What if the market is super strong? What if the market is so strong financially for these young offensive minds that we are talking about 13, 14, $15 million a year to bring somebody in who's never done the job before? Yes, Ben Johnson's done a terrific job in Detroit. Certainly a fantastic play caller, getting the most out of his talent, but he's never been the guy before. He has never led 53 in the locker room. And if his market, if his market is 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year, 
What is Robert Kraft going to be thinking of when he sees that figure? When he's talking to a coach's agent and the agent says, yeah, you can have my guy, but he wants $15 million a year. And if you're Kraft and you're looking at Belichick making $25 million a year, do you think that it's justified to pay somebody who's never done the job before $14, 15000000 It begs a few questions. If Ben Johnson is asking for $15 million or any of, any of these young offensive minds, if they're asking for $13, $15, 16000000 million a year, what is Belichick worth? And I'm not talking about what is Belichick worth here. Because again, we all expect Belichick to go once this season is over. But Belichick on the open market or a team that is interested in Belichick, what is Belichick's worth on the market if somebody who's never done the job before is worth $15 million a year? Could he argue he's worth twenty to just coach? Could he argue he's worth 25 to just coach because he's won all of those rings? What is Belichick's market? And how would that limit Belichick's ability to find a job on said market? If Belichick's asking for 20 to 25 million to be a head coach and a GM, does that make Belichick more desirable for somebody like Harris down in Washington, the owner who might be interested? Does it make more sense for David Tepper to hire Belichick at $25 million a year and to just run the entire program instead of going out and finding someone like Johnson, paying him $15 million, and then finding a GM and paying that GM whatever it's going to cost? Does it make Belichick more desirable? Does it make Belichick more desirable to Kraft? If this is a money decision, would Robert Kraft look at Johnson and say, I'm willing to pay that guy $15 million a year. And I'd also pay Bill Belichick because he's still on contract, whatever it's going to cost me to pay him. Is Kraft going to do that? That's a lot of money. Is Kraft going to look at Belichick and say, you know what? Maybe I can talk Bill into staying here just as the head coach for the next year. Maybe I'll pay Bill $25 million to just coach, find a GM, have that GM report directly to me, pay that GM good money, and then Belichick can go and we'll promote Mayo. Again, I'm not telling you this is exactly what should happen or is my opinion of how Kraft should handle this. I'm merely asking the questions. If the coach's market is this hot, if it's this hot and you're bringing in somebody for $15 million a year who's never done the job, how does that impact the decision by Kraft regarding Belichick in the future of this organization? Would Kraft pay that kind of money for someone who's never done the job? And if Kraft is unwilling to pay that much money for a Ben Johnson, then that's going to ultimately limit the pool, isn't it? Because if you're not willing to pay that much money, that means you're not willing to pay at the top of the market. I'm having flashbacks to last night's breaking news episode about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Is Kraft willing to pay at the top of the coach's market to find the next guy, that stud? somebody who he believes and others in the organization believe could be the future of this program. Is he willing to pay that kind of money? Or is he going to be looking for a bargain? How much of the Belichick contract could Kraft be stuck with? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If Kraft is stuck with $20 million of Belichick's contract, that is going to inevitably cause Kraft to look at how much he's going to spend on the next guy and say, well, I'm paying Belichick 20. If I've got to pay this guy 15, now I'm paying $35 million for a head coach. And nobody on God's green earth would pay that much money. You could revive Vince Lombardi and you ain't paying that dude $35 million a year. So how much is going to be owed to Belichick? And that begs the question as far as how this mutual parting of the ways is going to happen if it does happen. And how much money is Robert Kraft willing to spend on a GM? Because it's not just coach if you say goodbye to Bill. All of these questions. I'll have more thoughts in a minute. Don't forget to give us that like, thumbs up. Every single thumb counts. More thumbs, more eyeballs on the YouTube. That's how this thing works, the algorithm. So we're trying to blast that algorithm and build this program up. It takes you one single solitary second to just click that thumbs up button. And it means so much to me and so much to the success of this program. Also, don't forget, you can comment. I'll get to some comments in a minute. And you can always subscribe. It doesn't cost you a dollar. You can subscribe to this channel. You get all of the content for absolutely free. Best bargain in the business. And if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Pods to the recorded edition of this episode, rate, review, and you can also comment. All right, speaking of comments, before I get to more thoughts on the money, Josh Marion jumps up into the conversation, says, I think Kraft is going to ultimately cave in and keep Belichick. He's already chose him over Brady. If he keeps Belichick, then we all know that New England is going to be on fire. Not literally, figuratively. I did a poll on X going back a couple weeks ago, said fire or keep Bill. 70% of the fans said fire him. And I think that's a, a relatively you know, justifiable, realistic number, 70-30. Need a name jumps in and says, I trust Ben to be the guy more than Mayo, that's for sure. Interesting, I wonder why. Why is that need a name? Is that just because of the connection between Mayo and Belichick? Is it guilt by association? I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, Dima jumps in. 297. He is not going to bring a young mind in. Kraft is not like that. He's going for a more experienced one. I'd like to see Jim Harbaugh, but difficult. Uh, Harbaugh is going to cost you a lot of money. That is a lot of schadol. He's going to be... He's going to be at the tippity top of the market if he leaves Michigan. I did find it interesting that report that came out that he is, you know, being looked at even further as far as misleading or not being cooperative with the NCAA during their investigation. And he might be looking at another suspension next year. How will that impact Harbaugh's decision to jump to the NFL or stay? Chris Caligos jumps in and says, let him go to the Washington Commanders. Talking about Bill Belichick. Interestingly enough, Burt Breer came out with something recently, last day or two, saying that the commanders are not going to be willing to hand the keys to Belichick. He will not be offered a job to run the entire operation, which you wonder if Belichick would say yes or no to that kind of thing. And if he's just going to be a head coach, would he rather just stay here in New England if that's an option to just coach? Hmm. UB Trippin jumps in. Consider paying Belichick to go as cutting your losses will cost the franchise more to keep him. 
Well, you and I can look at it that way, but if if Kraft is paying $15 million, $20 million, $25 million to cut Belichick, Kraft is looking at it as, I just paid $25 million for a guy who is not going to be employed in 2024. And inevitably, you look at the bottom line, no matter what kind of business you're running. Bear me Jesus, I'd like to see, dot, 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 follows that up. I'd like to see Mayo head coach, Covington defensive coordinator, Adam Peters, GM. Adam Peters is in San Francisco. He's the hot name at GM. He has experience here in New England for a little bit. I believe he went to Denver for a little while and then ended up in San Francisco. He is the hot name, no doubt. Uh, Covington is, is really gaining some steam as a future head coach. The defensive line of the Patriots has been terrific this year. Those guys have been absolutely awesome. Christian Barmore's improvement by leaps and bounds, especially, you know, against the run. So Covington is a coveted name, no doubt about it. James jumps in. James DeGee says, when you think about it, there's not a lot of options for a credible offensive-minded head coach. You know, we went through some of the names. You can check that out on a prior podcast, James. We went through all of the names that are going to be out there this offseason. I gave you my top five list of those offensive names at the time. Of course, it could always evolve. It was a few weeks ago in the middle of the season. But there are some names out there beyond Ben Johnson that are interesting, whether or not the Patriots would go for them. I'm not sure. Okay, back to the task at hand. Speaking about Ben Johnson, Josina Anderson saying she's hearing he wants $15 million a year to be a head coach. Agent comes out and shoots that report down. But if Johnson and other hot shot coaches, even somebody like Eric Bieniemy. If they're looking at that kind of money, how is that going to impact the Patriots replacing Belichick and how Kraft looks at this job and how much he's willing to spend? Could the money, I'll give you an example. Could Robert Kraft look at this and say, you know what? If I'm going to pay somebody like Johnson $15 million a year, I'd rather just keep Gerard Mayo because I know Gerard. And I believe Gerard could be a great head coach. And I know Gerard's on contract right now for me through 2024, which gives Kraft leverage. Kraft could go to Mayo and say, I'm going to give you this bump for X amount of money because you're already under contract. Let's rip this deal up. Let's renegotiate. I'll give you this much of a raise. I'll tack on three years to the contract. And that's what we're going to do. That would give Kraft leverage to pay Mayo less money than he might have to go out and pay somebody like Johnson, Biennemi, or others. You wonder how much that would impact things. And if you're not looking at Mayo, if Mayo is now out of that race, if the Patriots don't see Mayo as the succession plan any longer, and you're not willing to pay at the top of the market, then who are you going to reasonably bring in? Is it somebody like a Brian Flores? Who might take a little less money to come back to New England? I don't know. Does Kraft start to look at Bill O'Brien? I'm just, I'm just telling you, if, if Mayo is not going to be the guy and Kraft is unwilling to pay at the top of the market, then we're starting to look at the names that are on list two and list three here for possibilities. And those names are not as sexy. And here's another layer to it. If Kraft pays for a head coach, let's say Kraft pays Belichick, mutual parting of the ways, he, he helps pay for the contract to get a draft pick, whatever happens with that, and he pays for Belichick's dime, right, if, if he does that. And then he brings in, then he brings in somebody 
and pays the new guy a decent amount of money. Let's say Robert Kraft is willing to back up the Brinks truck for the head coaching position. How does that impact the GM position? Is Kraft willing to pay both of those positions at the top of the market? We go back to the example from earlier, this idea of having Adam Peters come in. Is Kraft willing to pay Adam Peters what he wants and pay somebody like Ben Johnson what he wants? Or is Kraft going to try to split the difference? This money matters. These things matter. There are lots of layers to hiring a replacement for Bill Belichick. This is a monumental undertaking in that facility at Gillette Stadium. Monumental. Need a name jumps in. Ben is called, has more experience. Presence has improved with the Lions. Actually has results. Seen videos of his leadership skills. And offense mind is simply the future. I don't disagree about the offensive mind being the future and all those. We've done podcasts on that stuff before. You can check it out on the channel. I'd appreciate it. Always love people who are willing to watch, listen, comment, all of those things like need a name. But you don't truly know the guy is the guy until he's the guy, if that makes sense. Like Ben Johnson has done a terrific job in Detroit. He has helped that Detroit offense immensely. He has improved Jared Goff incredibly. But until somebody has that job, you don't truly know if they're going to be good at it. That's a fact. There have been lots of coordinators in football that were seen as the next big thing, and they flamed out. You don't know. I'm not saying not to take the chance. Inevitably, you got to take a swing. All I'm saying is it's far from a guarantee. The Grizz 15 craft will pay to bring in someone offensive-minded who will not let a first-round quarterback who had promised just get traded for nothing, knowing Bill set this team and Mac up to fail the past two years. Yeah, could be a little bit. Could be a little bit of that from Kraft. You know what? You screwed up Mac Jones. We had a first-round quarterback. Now he's broken. We're going to get a top two, three, four, five pick. We have a chance to land Drake May, Caleb Williams, or Jaden Daniels. You know what? I'm going to go out there and find the best person who can handle that young quarterback. I don't care how much it costs. That's what I hope. That's what you hope. That's what the dream is, that Kraft looks at it and says, you know what, I'm in my 80s. This team sucked this year. We're getting a young franchise quarterback, and I'm going to do what I can do with every fiber of my being to make sure that quarterback has a chance to succeed. And I'm going to go out, and I'm going to pay the money to bring in the best offensive mind the league has to offer. Certainly he could do that. We'll see if he does. It's just a very difficult task. Not easy. Not easy at all to replace Bill Belichick. The money, the clout that he has, the amount of people in that facility that have worked for Belichick for years and years and years, this is a total strip down if you're not promoting Mayo. And that's fine. Soup to nuts. If that's what you do, that's what you do. No issue with that. I'm just explaining, describing how much goes into this? It ain't easy. Give us a thumbs up. It ain't easy doing this for free. Thumbs up. More likes means more eyeballs. Build this community. I appreciate every single one of you spending this Friday before Christmas with me. Have fun. Be safe this weekend. All right. Let's jump into Broncos defense versus the Patriots offense. Do some quick hits on this game coming up on Sunday night. Will Bailey Zappi suffer from pumpkinitis again? In the second half. I mean, it's been unbelievable. The difference between 
first half zappy and second half zappy. It's been amazing. The guy's completely different. He goes from an eight to a four. It's unreal. Never seen anything like it in my life. And will we see that pumpkinitis be suffered again? Evan Lazar, Patriots.com, wrote this uh, this week about Zappi and his half-to-half nature. In his three starts this season, Zappi is completing 69.2% of his passes while generating a plus 0.14 expected points added, which is EPA per play in the first half. In the second half, those numbers plummet to 59.4% completion rate, and he has a negative EPA. He is significantly a different guy from the first half to the second half. Now, why is that? I think Zappi is failing to adjust. I think the team is failing to adjust. And I think the defenses that he is facing are adjusting. These defenses are bringing more pressure. And it's it's putting pressure on Zappi. And Zappi, like every other quarterback that we've talked about, unless you're an unbelievable athlete, you're going to have a tough time to consistently make plays when you're getting blitzed and your offensive line is the poops. And there's been a lot of pressure on Zappi in second halves. And then as soon as Zappi doesn't play well, as soon as he makes a mistake, Belichick and company, they go conservative. We saw it against the Steelers. We saw it last week. That's what they've been doing. And teams have been blitzing Zappi more and more. From Lazar, Chiefs adjusted to run more zone blitzes. KC only played man coverage on four of 14 dropbacks in the second half. They still blitzed almost 43% of the time. Zappi has faced the fourth highest blitz rate of any quarterback with at least 100 dropbacks. They're sending the heat. Offensive line can't handle it. Zappi gets rattled, makes bad decisions. We've seen this movie before, haven't we? And if you're wondering, Denver is eighth in the NFL in blitz rate. So I would anticipate Denver blitzing a lot on Sunday night, which begs the question, how is the offensive line? Well, your starting guards are going to be Antonio Mafia and City So. Mm, Don't feel great about that. That could be an issue and will likely be an issue. Now Trent Brown is back practicing. How healthy is he? How much does he care? Is he more interested in talking to Writers this week about Malik Cunningham than he is the football game. Will the Patriots be able to run the football? Denver's defense is 30th in DVOA. Last time I checked, there are only 32 teams in the league. That means they have stunk. They're last in run defense when it comes to both DVOA and yards per carry given up. This Broncos defense will give up yards on the ground. But... As we discussed last week in Kansas City, Kansas City was not a very good run defense, but what did Kansas City do? Kansas City loaded the box, and they threw a lot of run blitzes at Zappi in that offense. And I would expect Vance Joseph and this Broncos defense to do the same damn thing on Sunday night. This Broncos defense against the run hasn't been good. I think they'll load the box, they'll send blitzers, and they'll they'll say, hey, look, We want to see Bailey Zappi play not one really good half of football, but two really good halves of football. By the way, I want your thoughts on this game. I want your thoughts on Zappi, all of that stuff. Throw a comment in. I'll try to get to it if I can. But I would expect Denver to load up and make life hard on the Patriots offense, which brings up the fact of play action. If the Broncos are going to load up the box to defend the run because they're bad defending the run, then the Patriots will respond with some play action 
But inevitably, the question is, will the Patriots be successful with that play action? Let's go back to Lazar. He does great work. Patriots.com. Lazar wrote about the Patriots play action and the ineffectiveness of it. Among 44 quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks, Zappi ranks dead ass last. He didn't say ass. I did. An EPA per playoff play action, largely because of protection issues. So when the Patriots have run play action, it hasn't done well. Zappi hasn't done well. So let's put this together. You want to run against the Denver defense because they have a terrible run defense. Denver's going to load the box to stop the run. That's going to lead you to play a play action type of game offensively. But you have not been good at the play action game because your pass protection stinks. And you're walking into Sunday night with rookie guards on the left side and the right side. So in Mafi. You're walking in with Trent Brown, who might be banged up. So it's going to be challenging. The good news is that Denver's defense is terrible against the play action. They've allowed 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions against play action. So you've got weakness versus weakness. Hunter Henry is hurt. How much that? How much will that affect the game in the offense? And I would also anticipate the Broncos to play a lot of man coverage on Sunday night. We have discussed that ad nauseum the last couple of years about the Patriots offense going against man defense and how the receivers struggle with it. If you don't have Hunter Henry, I don't know how you consistently move the football. I just, I, I, I don't see how you can do that. I really don't. All right, Broncos offense versus Patriots defense. Patriots defense has been a silver lining for this season. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. The secondary for the Pats this weekend, big question. Jabril Peppers is banged up. He hasn't been practicing. So will Peppers be out there? If he's not out there, if Peppers is 60%, 70%, that will impact this defense because he's been fantastic. So will Peppers be out there? Will he be healthy? Jonathan Jones is dinged up. He's been dinged up all year. J.C. Jackson, as we know, he will be out due to mental health. So you don't know if Peppers will be out there. Jonathan Jones is limping around. J.C. Jackson is out. And you go against a Denver team that has some really good personnel. Cortland Sutton is really good. He's difficult to defend. He is a big frame. He's a guy that has good hands. He could be a problem for this smaller secondary for the Patriots. And then you've got Jerry Judy. I've never been as high on Jerry Judy as others, but he could still hurt you. So you have to go against Sutton and Judy with John Jones banged up, Jabril Peppers maybe not playing, and J.C. Jackson out. We're going to have another Alex Austin, Miles Bryant weekend. I don't love the chances. I think the Patriots will play some zone because of it. They can't trust those guys to play man coverage against Sutton and Judy consistently on Sunday night. Russell Wilson in the regular season against Bill Belichick has completed better than 67% of his passes. He has 11 touchdowns, has thrown only one interception. His passer rating is over 135. Ipso facto, Russell Wilson has torched Bill Belichick in the regular season since he was drafted by Seattle. Now, the Patriots have done a good job in defending against Russell Wilson running with the football. He has 13 carries for only 62 yards, so they've done a decent job against Wilson's legs. Denver's offense is mid. That's the best description. They're 16th in scoring. They're 16th in DVOA. They're 22nd in the NFL in red zone offense. They're 20th in the NFL on third down. 
Patriots have to be successful on first and second. It sounds obvious, but it is so true going against this Broncos offense. The Broncos offense is not good on third down. Wilson has not been good on third down. If you get them into third and six or longer, the Broncos will have a very difficult time moving the football against the Patriots. So first and second down success is going to be crucial. It's really a vanilla offense. One last time to Evan Lazar, who wrote about this Denver offense. 26th in shift in motion rate, 42%. I don't know if you were watching Thursday Night Football last night, but towards the tail end of the game, they were talking about the, the motion and shift rate of the Rams and how constant, constant pre-snap motion. And that's really where the game has gone offensively, right? We haven't seen much of that from the Patriots aside from the Buffalo Bills game. But there, there's constant motion and shifting before the snap. Denver doesn't do that. They're 26th in the league when it comes to motion and shifting. So it's pretty vanilla. They're fourth in being under center. So what you see is a very conventional under center offense with some RPOs mixed in for Wilson. So that's what you're going to see. It's not, it's not exotic. It's not sexy. Wilson is 20th in QBR, so he hasn't been awesome. He's not as athletic as he used to be. He tends to take a lot of sacks that he shouldn't take. So here's the line. Broncos minus seven. So Broncos are favored by seven. The over-under is 34 and a half. Here's what I'm thinking. I think the Broncos will cover on Sunday night. Now I'm six and eight against the spread. So take that for what it's worth. But I go Broncos minus seven. And I would go with the under 34 and a half. I don't know what to expect from this Patriots offense. I don't expect great things. I'll tell you that. I don't think Hunter Henry will be out there, and if he's out there, he's going to be a shell of himself. And as we know, Zappi and Henry have the best connection. Without Henry, I think Zappi gets a little bit more antsy in that pocket. I think Denver will blitz him. I think they'll play the run, and they'll play man coverage. So without Hunter Henry, I don't trust any of these receivers outside of Pop Douglas to make consistent plays. Ramondre Stevenson, as we know, he's going to be out. Are you just going to keep running into boxes of eight, nine guys? I don't think you will. That'll put this game on Zappi's shoulders, and I haven't seen Zappi play a complete game yet. This season, it's one half good, one half terrible. So why should I believe anything different? On the road, tough place to play in Denver. You're banged up. The offensive line, you got two rookie guards. So I just don't think the Patriots will be able to score enough. Now, maybe they'll get a defensive touchdown. Maybe they'll get a special teams touchdown. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Special teams. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, special teams touchdown. Now watch, it'll happen. They'll get two of them. But I just, I just don't know how they score enough to win this game. And I think the Broncos will do enough. And I, I think they win by 10. Let's call let's call it uh, 20 to 10. How's that sound? 20 to 10. Broncos cover. They go under the 34 and a half. All right. Merry Christmas. Thanks to everyone who has jumped on board from the beginning of this podcast. I want you to have a great, safe, fun weekend. We will be off on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday at 11 a.m. sharp. And as proven by last night's emergency podcast on Yamamoto, if something breaks and I'm home, I'm going to get right to it and break it and talk to all of you about that breaking news. Merry Christmas. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Be fantastic. 
Uh, make sure you hydrate. I'm going to go start hydrating right now. It's going to be a long weekend. Uh, be well until Tuesday. Uh, fa la 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 la, ho, 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 all that good ish. Talk to you. It's the Nick Cattle Show.